This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it's Sammy J, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Let's Be Real Podcast. I am so thrilled you're here. This week's episode is so special. We've never had an episode like this before, and we're probably never going to have an episode like this again, because I got to chat with astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. You heard that right. And I am so excited for you to listen to this episode, because I genuinely learned so much, and I know you will too. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to my podcast. I am so honored that you're here. You're my first astrophysicist on the show. And now I have to say, science is something that I've always been super fascinated by, but it's something I've always struggled with learning and understanding like many others. And I just want to simply start with, what do you love about what you do? What do you love about space and the universe so much? Oh, oh, everything. (laughs) (laughs) And first of all, for you to say I'm your your first astrophysicist on the show. There aren't many of us in the world. Mm. Okay. <laughs> True. So basically everything. I like the immensity of it. I like the, the, the boundary between what is known and unknown. Mm. And you put one foot in what is known and one foot in the unknown. And you try to deduce or invent or discover what lies beyond. And so... So I think that the takeaway is as a scientist, you have to learn to love the questions themselves. Yeah. Because if you if you only think of science the way the media reports on it, because the media does a story when there's a discovery, right? And you think their discoveries are happening all the time. But you have to learn to love the journey. And in your whole life, you might make only one discovery or no discoveries. So the journey is what excites you every morning the possibility of reaching into the unknown and pulling something back in and say whoa yeah. no one knew this before does that give you any comfort in knowing everything you know or does it make you a little bit more terrified of the beyond i think you have to train yourself i, I don't think it's natural mm. to walk around in stupefied ignorance of what's going on. you know nobody wants that yeah all right and I, and i get it 
I have sympathy for people who feel that way. And one way that that shows up is someone might ask me, what was around before the Big Bang? And I'll say, I don't know. <laughs> I got top people working on it. And they say, there had to be something. There must have been something. It must have been God. God did it. Yeah, that was it. And so once they say God, they have their answer. And then, you know, if you wanted to insert deity every place where we have yet to tread scientifically, then that's that's kind of a slippery slope because science ever moves forward. Yeah. So I, I empathize with the need to have an explanation for everything. But if that's how you are, you won't make a good scientist because most of what we think about every day has no answer yet. Yet. And we don't even know if we're asking the right questions. I know. Crazy. It's crazy. It's completely crazy. So Starry Messenger, A Cosmic Perspective on Civilization. You said, the trove of insights informed by the universe and brought to you by methods and tools of science. I love that sentence. And I was wondering if you can expand more upon that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. So this book, Starry Messenger, Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization, uh, each chapter has a different title as most chapters would, <laughs> but in this case, the chapters address different sectors of society that have historically been rather combative uh, in social settings. So there's a chapter on truth and beauty, all right? That, that might be good sort of bar conversations there, but let's get a little more intense. A conflict and resolution, where I go into political factions who are battling for who has access to, if not control, of the truth, objective truths, uh, which I'd like to distinguish from other kinds of truths. Yes, like, there is an objective truth and there is opinion, and those need to be distinguished. Right, right, right. Or, or there's, there's like political truths. I'll call it that because the politicians think it's true, but it's what becomes true simply by them repeating it mm. often <laughs> and with intensity. And our brain has a weakness in it, where if you see something repeated or hear something repeated, the urge to think that it must be true. Otherwise, why would it be repeated so often? Exactly. So I applaud the fact that we have that urge to think that way, but that urge, that evolutionary urge can be and has been hijacked by people who would want to exercise control over you and what you think. In the old days, they called it brainwashing. Yeah. So that'd be a political truth. And then there's a personal truth, right? Personal truth is just stuff that you believe and they don't require that other people have to believe it. It's your own personal sense of the world. And all religions come under personal truths. Uh, so that's why I distinguish those truths from objective truths. And objective truths are true whether or not you believe in them. Science. And <laughs> science. And so getting back to you, the, the sentence that you uh, extracted, um, and thank you for looking for cool sentences, because I do spend a lot of effort composing sentences that go in the book. Yeah. And if, if the fact that they sort of rise up off the page or in your, because you listen to the audiobook as you told me, I'd want those sentences to, to live within you. They're very powerful. The methods and tools of science are exquisitely tuned to find objective truths. And when you do, you then apply them to these sectors of society that are famous for not embracing objective truths. And because of such, people fight. And so, so and other chapters are, are uh, gender and identity, uh, race and color, uh, uh, risk and reward. People really don't understand risk and probability and statistics. And I don't want to blame people for that. Uh, somehow it's it's just not natural to think statistically about the world. Yeah. All right. I mean, here's an, just in an example. Let's say uh, you're ready to drive a car off the lot. You just bought it. And someone is driving into the lot saying, uh, wanting to return the car. Saying, this is the worst car I've ever had. It broke. The, the wheel fell off. I hate it. And you're just watching this. And you begin questioning your decision. And it's amazing how impactful the testimony of one person can land within you relative to the statistics of thousands. 
You mentioned a really interesting point in your book that scientists don't look for other scientists' opinions, but their data, which I think is a very important distinction. Yeah, I don't care how you feel or think. I don't care. Feel however <laughs> you think you want. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my research here, but I just want to nothing to do with the data, unless <laughs> how you feel uh, biases your data. So we have methods and tools to establish objective truths, and it requires repeated, verified experiments on whatever the first thing is you said was true. So we're living in a world today where social media and misinformation is traveling so fast. I feel like as soon as you pull up a social media app, there's just new information you don't, and it's hard to verify whether it's true or not. Something I want to take away from this conversation is what advice do you have for like a go-to way to shut down a flat earther? I'm not that aggressive. Okay. It may feel that way sometimes if you read my tweets. Uh, so I just tweeted yesterday. Uh, last night there was a a total lunar eclipse, and I said, "Here's a lunar eclipse flat earthers have never seen." <laughs> <laughs> it, would be, it would be like the disk of Earth casting a horizontal shadow, which would just be a skinny little thin thing, and uh, that I, it went almost viral. I mean, it was. It went pretty high up there. That's so good. Point is, in a free country, I'm not going to beat you on the head. If you want to think Earth is flat, there are plenty of jobs for you where you can still think Earth is flat. Science isn't one of them. <laughs> Science is not one of them. Here's, here's one thing to do. You say, uh, what would be the best evidence you would need to show that Earth was a sphere in space? What, what evidence would you seek? If you ask that of such people, typically there is none. There, there is none. Well, sorry, I, I did that once with someone who was sure we didn't go to the moon, okay? Okay, <laughs> that's interesting. And, and I said, well, what evidence, I went through this exercise, what evidence would you want? And he said, well, photographs of the landing sites. That would, that would work. So I said, well, we do have photos of the landing site. He said, oh, really? I, I said, because... There are satellites that were put in orbit around the moon. That's close enough. And you could see the rover tracks. You can see the landing site. And so go to this webpage. So he, so the next day, by the way, this is a full-grown adult human being with, with kids. Oh, okay. my. <laughs> Always concerning. Always concerning, right? So the next day, uh, he says, Neil, I went to that website. And sure enough, I saw the tracks and I saw this. But then I looked at the bottom, and it said that the webpage was sponsored by NASA. So how am I going to know that they didn't fake this? And I said, pause. <laughs> pa hold up. Rewind. <laughs> you, you asked me what would convince you, and I provided that evidence. And now that evidence isn't working for you. So this is the end of our conversation. But anyhow, so a good test would be, Ask what would convince you otherwise. If you don't really have a good answer for that, then, or if your only answer is, I know the truth, it's just being hidden from us by this organization. It's never going to be good enough. Never good enough, correct. There's an old saying in the skeptics community, which I think is 85% correct. Uh, it's, you can't use reason to argue someone out of a point of view that they didn't use reason to get into. So true. Okay. <laughs> Something that I'm very interested in talking about is what are your thoughts on managing space trash and programs like Starlink, um, especially with the impact of satellites and space imaging? Yeah. That's a, <clears throat> so those are two separate issues. Starlink is, you know, how many, Elon, how many satellites do you need in space? <laughs> how many? <laughs> how many? How many do you need? And it becomes a form of light pollution mm. where especially we have a telescope about to come online this coming year that will be taking basically snapshots of the entire sky every night Whoa. And, and stitching them together in, basically in a movie, which will allow you to watch asteroids that might be headed towards Earth. Wow. But if while we're trying to find an asteroid headed towards Earth, there's you know, 170, 11 Starlink satellites coming through your field of view. I, I don't want to miss the asteroid because you're contaminating my data with things that otherwise look like asteroids. 
but they're not. So there's the how it will contaminate science, but there's also how it will change what the night sky will be to you as you look up. Yeah, affect the earth. So there's fortunately there are there's an organ there are people today who are thinking about this and trying to find ways to reduce the impact of this uh, technological progress on what is otherwise the sanctity of the night sky. And as for trash, we got nothing for you. Okay. <laughs> and I think people say, where are the aliens? How come they haven't visited? I think they tried to visit and they saw all the trash around the earth. And, <laughs> and they're they like, said, um, we're going to pass on this one. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's go to the next planet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. These folks are just nasty. It's the trash that's in the higher orbits mm. that'll basically be there forever unless someone goes around and vacuums it up. And we have no such plans nor such ideas about how to make that happen. It's too trashy. We need to fix it. Too trashy. Give it up. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'm going to talk about what types of research that's going on in the world of science you're most excited about and what you love most about learning. We'll be right back. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC 
was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Are there any scientists' work that you're really interested in that isn't very well-known or talked about? I generally look at sort of consensus work. So Mm. uh, it's not whether one scientist did one particular thing, because that's not what makes an objective truth. As I said earlier, it hasn't been verified by someone else. Mm -hmm. So for me, one of the more interesting sub-branches of astrophysics is one where we have people looking for biomarkers in the atmospheres of exoplanets. Whoa. So can you explain what biomarkers are first? Oh, totally. Well, first, let me explain what exoplanet is. Perfect. So exoplanets are planets orbiting other stars. And the first of these was discovered in 1995. All right. So what year were you born? 2002. 2002. So you count as someone who has been born since 1995. Correct. And so I now I I will knight you Generation Exoplanet. Okay? <laughs> exoplanet. You've only known life in a world where we've had exoplanets to talk about. All right. Wow. That is an, that is if you want to attach a generation to a scientific result, mm-hmm. there you have it. Amazing. All right. And when you were born, we might have known maybe uh, a few dozen exoplanets, and now we know more than five thousand. That's how old you are. We're up in the five thousands. <laughs> a lot can happen in twenty years. A lot can happen in twenty years. So you're just an old fart now because we're uh, up in the thousands. And now, but, but will we ever know if they have life? Mm-hmm. Well, if the planet has an atmosphere, light from the star will pass through the atmosphere on the edges and continue on to us. So that whatever is the chemistry of that atmosphere, it leaves its fingerprint on the starlight. Whoa. Oh, this is a this opened up an entire new field in the search for life in the universe. Because if your planet has life, life has certain gaseous consequences. All right. Oxygen on Earth is only here because we have photosynthesizing life, trees and plankton. That's the only reason why we have oxygen. And so if you find an exoplanet and you let the light of the star pass through and you see oxygen in that atmosphere, oh yeah, put that higher on your list of one of the first planets you might want to visit. So what am I following? I'm following the work of that group of researchers who are searching for biomarkers in the atmospheres of exoplanets. And the James Webb Space Telescope is helping with that by the way. Sorry, I'm just processing all that you said. That's incredible. Yeah, no, I'm totally, I'm all in on it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm assuming you love stars. Don't we all, actually? I'm I'm sure I'm not alone there. You know, know, our star is pretty important. 
I think clouds are also very underrated. I love oh. seeing them. They're so beautiful. And I just see them and I go, shout out clouds, because they don't get enough appreciation out there. Okay, so uh, <laughs> in the book, Starry Messenger, <clears throat> um, I quote clouds. I quote a line from Joni Mitchell, her song, Both Sides Now. That's so good. Wait, wait, wait. I, we have to be very precise here. Okay. okay? I just want to properly quote Take Joni your time. Mitchell. Okay, I'm going to pull up this quote. The glasses are got, coming on. That's when you know it's getting serious. Oh, I've got to go there. Okay. Yeah, so clouds are one of the things she looks at in one of the verses. But I get, I, that's not the verse I chose. I'm real. I'm remembering now. But I will get you that cloud verse because you, you sound like a cloud person. I'm so a cloud person because they're just not appreciated and they do so much. Okay. They make my day. So here we go. Rows and flows of angel hair and ice cream castles. But forgive my, because I can't say. Um, I think you should become a singer and next career path for you. Everywhere looked at clouds that way. But now they only block the sun. They rain and they snow on everyone. So many things I would have done. But clouds got in my way. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, from up and down, and still somehow, it's clouds, illusions, I recall. I really don't know clouds. So, anyhow, Amazing. That, that's all the singing I'm going to give you here. I'm, I was <laughs> like, I did not expect a performance. I feel like this is a new <laughs> career path for you. So, here's the So, for me, obviously, it's a song, it's a poem, it's, it's metaphorical, of course, and so um, so she starts out by saying, clouds, they, they rain and snow on everyone. Yes, they do. But when they're not, they're not, right? And most of the time, they're not. They're just floating there. Yeah. And if you look at it from both sides, and I, I really don't know clouds. And most people don't understand what clouds are, why are they up there and they're not down here. Well, sometimes they are down here. Yeah. But we have a different word for them. You know what we call them? A fog? Am I totally missing something? A fog. Yes. It's just a, it's a cloud that's in your face. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? So so we just have a different word for it, but it's a cloud. All right. So all air in most parts of the earth has some amount of moisture in it. Yes. Okay. And if the air gets heated and then it rises, as you ascend, the temperature drops. So as you ascend in the atmosphere, it gets colder and colder and colder. You might notice that from the temperature, if you see it on the video monitor of airplanes, outside is 40 degrees below zero outside <laughs> the window. Okay. So uh, it's because the ground is what's heating the air. Got it. The sun doesn't heat the air. The sun heats the ground and the ground heats the air. So now watch what happens. You have a pocket of air with a little bit of moisture. As it ascends, it gets colder. And the colder is the pocket of air, the less capable it is of carrying that moisture. And so what happens is that something called the relative humidity goes up because the air can't, it's becoming less and less able to hold the moisture. And at a particular temperature, at the dew point, which is a combination of how much humidity is in it and the temperature, at that dew point, the, the water molecules they coalesce and they become basically droplets, okay? It's no longer water vapor, it's water droplets. And in that moment, that, that pocket of air is high above your head and bam, a cloud forms. And there it is. You're making me love clouds even more. Okay, no, it's a beautiful thing. That's why the clouds are high up and rarely on the ground. How do you know all this information? Just off the bat. What about learning do love? I know that's a two-parter, but you've just you have so much information. Okay, here's what I here's my normal. I, we only just met, so I don't know. But it, for most people, for many people in the United States, here's what I would tell them: If they say, "How does it? You know all of this? How do you have time to write these books? And how how does you do this?" And my answer is, I bet I watch less football than you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer. 
That's my simplest answer. Okay. So whatever you do on the weekends or when you're otherwise doing nothing, are you binging, you know, uh, the bachelor? Are you, whatever else is going on at, or, or Jersey shore or whatever, <laughs> whatever people do, uh, I'm not doing that. And uh, I'll do it a little bit just so I know what interests people. Cause that I value that. But no, I spend a lot of time, a lot of time that other people spend doing nothing. I spend learning. That's so awesome and so cool. I have always loved learning, but it's always been a struggle for me because I've grown up with learning differences. So being able to understand information has been a struggle. But when it's, you're very good at visualizing it and just explaining it, very complicated topics. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And, and I, I try to be a responsive to the, what do they call it? The neurodiversity of us all. Mm. Uh, some people think in pictures, some in words, some in gestures, you know, hand gestures. So I try to fold all of that in. So thank you for, for noticing that. But what I would say is with all the learning differences that exist out there, and finally the education system is coming to terms with that, figuring out. Slowly but surely. Slowly. Um, uh, my daughter was a special ed teacher and people ask her, what, well, what's different about a special ed teacher? And she, she said, she said, um, special ed teachers are simply better teachers. <laughs> I thought that I, was great. I went to a special ed school, so I can vouch for that. Yeah. yeah they're just better teachers. They know more about They know how, how to teach brain... in different ways. Exactly. Exactly. Ooh, I got in big trouble one time. Ooh. What happened? Um, I should have left it to my forbidden Twitter file. Mm. Um, so I tweeted, I said, for the teachers who feel compelled to say, these students just don't want to learn. And I said, uh, maybe they should consider the possibility that they suck at their job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. But I, I, you know, I put it out there. I, I, I've had a maybe in front of it. I said possibly. Like a possibly. It, you know, people said, so what do you know? Blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, it's Twitter. So it's the cesspool of opinions. <laughs> yeah. So not every teacher is sainted. Okay. And we all had bad teachers in our lives. Well, maybe you didn't because you, you had special ed teachers. I did before but, I moved to special ed. And then I went. There to you go. School. And you knew. And you can, you can list. Not here. Don't do it. But you can list. <laughs> bad teachers, right, who really should have never entered the profession. Yeah. All right, we have to take one more quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about how you define success for yourself. We'll be right back. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. You've accomplished so many incredible things throughout your career, and everyone has a different definition of what success means to them. And I was wondering, how do you personally define success for yourself? Thank you. That's an excellent question. Thank you. Uh, It's excellent on many levels, and I don't often get that because now it gives me the opportunity to, for me, redefine success. Mm. All right? Uh, So let me... uh, take a slightly windy route to get there. So let's say you have someone who wants to be an actor and then you say, well, what kind of actor do you want to be? Well, I want to be a famous actor. Oh, so they don't want to be a good actor. They just want to be a famous actor. So that's a different goal. Always the same thing as you want to be the best actor you can be. Sometimes I would even say often being the best actor you can be will lead to that. But if your goal is simply to be famous, then all the times you're not famous, you're miserable, <laughs> right? You put so much like definition on one thing and you're not that. Right, 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 right. And so much emphasis and you're miserable. If you instead say, I want to be the best actor I can be, then every performance you give on stage or in a, uh, which is, I'm from New York, so we highly value stage performances in New York, okay? At the end of that performance, how'd you do? 
what would you have done differently? How can you improve? Now that you've given that and you deliver that line that way, is there a better way to deliver that line? Mm -hmm. And then this is you constantly and persistently focusing on how much better you can be at your craft. Yeah. The goal here is to be as good as you possibly could be. And what I've done in my life is whatever I've attempted, I've tried to be as good at it as I could possibly be without regard to how people see it or receive it or value it. And well, that, that's not entirely true. So for example, let's go back to 1995. The first, what was discovered? 1995? Shoot. What was discovered in 1995? Oh, the uh, space um. A planet <laughs> thing with my age, 20 years. What is Thank it called? <laughs> Exoplanet. Okay, you get a B plus on I that get a one. Please, uh, I get a B plus, but you know, you know that my heart is in it. Okay, yeah. So the first exoplanet was discovered, okay? 1995, Generation Exoplanet. And so I was interviewed by, uh, I was then the interim director of the Hayden Planetarium in New York City. A big job. This was banner headlines. <laughs> Exoplanet was discovered. So NBC News sent one of their action cams, you know, up to do an interview to air that evening. And they sent them up and and they said, and they didn't know me yet. I just, they just wanted me for my title. And I gave my best professorial response. I talked about the Doppler shift and the physics of the movement of the stars and the center of mass of the system. And I, and I did all of this. And I said, and once we discovered that there was the Doppler shift on the star and you can make the very hard measurements. And, and because the star is kind of moving, it's like jiggling. Uh, and, and so that's what you're going to measure. And, and so I, I moved my body in, in the way the, the star would move. And all they used from that interview was me jiggling my hips. <laughs> that was it. Okay. And they made one sentence, you know. And so I said, oh, oh, they don't want to hear my professor reply. They want a sound bite. So I went home and practiced sound bites. And so the next time I got asked, I just handed them sound bites. And they came back for more. And then other people came back. And this just continued to build. And I said, I'm a servant of their curiosity. I want to be the best servant I can be. And one other example I'll give is the uh, first time I was on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, okay, before Trevor Noah. Uh, Jon Stewart hosted that, and he's sharp, and mm -hmm. he's smart, and he's funny. And I've seen politicians deer in the headlights as he's dancing circles around them because yeah. they're <laughs> trying to get their speech out and he's not letting them and it's a disaster i said that is not going to happen to me so i studied him mm. and i said with a stopwatch and i said how many seconds does he give you on average to speak before he comedically interrupts okay so i timed that you really studied this i forgot the numbers like between eight and 12 seconds which doesn't sound like much but it's actually you can say a lot in 10 seconds yeah so i got on the show oh i also had to know three days of current events i judged because he's blending it's a new show yeah he's blending current events with whatever he's talking about so i did this and i get on the show and I deliver the 10 seconds and he jokes, and then I come back. So I complete the idea. He completes the joke. We go on to the next thing. So it's it's working like it's it's, it's like a dance. Oh, it was a dance. Thank you. A beautiful reference. It's a dance. It's a dance. So we're dancing in the interview. And at the end of it, people came up to me and said, Neil, you and John Stewart have such good chemistry. <laughs> It's so it's so natural. It's like little do you know. <laughs> you have no freaking idea what kind of homework went into this. And that was trying to be the best I can be. So for me, I am successful. If whatever I did, it was the best I could do in that time for the research I was able to conduct. That's that's how I measure my success. And if that if the public happens to like that, that's just bonus. I'm glad. And that's all you can do um, at the end of the day is be the best version of yourself. Correct. And if you're not that, I think you are, how should I put this? You, if you don't do that, I think this one time you have on life is, is undercapitalized for all that you could do, think, accomplish, feel. 
Uh, and uh, why waste any of it? So if a day goes by where I didn't learn something or improve something about myself, that's a wasted day. And you can guarantee, unless you happen to be the generation that will live forever, and I don't think they're born yet, that's another sort of generation where we increase life expectancy. So right now, we're increasing life expectancy by one year every five years, something like that, okay, okay for, of the general population. So, but what the day will come where we increase life expectancy by one year for every year of research that we do, that generation will live forever. I think that's younger than you at this point, because we agreed you're an old fart. At yes, 20, we, right? that, <laughs> that is going to be my new bio on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really want to live forever because I like the motivation knowing that I'm going to die because guaranteed if a day goes by that you do not serve your own curiosities and your own enlightenment and your own wisdom. That's you've seen the calendars on the prison walls. It's an X in a day that you're never getting back. Yeah. And so my motivation correlates with that. Okay. The fewer days I have left, the more motivated I am to get stuff done. And so I don't envy the first generation who will live forever because I wouldn't want to live forever. That sounds exhausting. Yeah, it could be exhausting. Why put? Why do today what you can put off until tomorrow? Well, thank you so much. This conversation has really been eye-opening for me. I feel like I've learned a lot today, and I've been really inspired, and I now want to learn a lot more. So I really appreciate well, you taking all, the time. Much, why, why not, right? You know, the people who, who graduate from school and throw their books in the air and say, school's out. It's like, why are you happy about that? What, I know. isn't You should always... Be curious and want to keep learning. Correct. What school should teach. Yeah, I, I grant that school is a pain. I get that. But the least that should happen in school is when you do graduate, you you your curiosity is stoked to continue to learn on your own. So my great regret in the system is that school doesn't teach us all to continue to be curious. Mm. It's kind of like you stop when it's done. You, you, you stop it and then you get ossified, which is a great SAT word. You get ossified in your thinking. Mm. Whatever was your last thoughts the last time you were in a classroom, that's it. And then you want to start life and get married, have kids, and and that's how you're going to think about the world. That's so boring. And you see these older folks that are just sort of crusty in their ways because they didn't keep learning. They didn't they didn't stay flexible, mm. nimble, nimble in the mind. There's a quote in the book, is second to last page of the entire book, which uh, is from Horace Mann, an educator, and there's schools named after him. He's a Brilliant educator. In New York City. In New York City, right. Uh, in the Bronx, actually, from two centuries ago. And he was giving a commencement speech. And he used the word beseech in his... Mm. Nobody uses that word anymore. It's very... I feel like it's Shakespearean, but maybe we should bring it back. He says, I beseech you to treasure in your heart these my parting words. Be ashamed to die until you have scored some victory for humanity. I love that. that. I want that on my tombstone. It has nothing to do with being famous or rich. Or it's, it's, is the world a little better off for you having lived in it? And here's what I'm going to recommend, because I, I don't like telling people what to do. I like compelling them to want to do something on their own. But now I'm going to tell people what to do. I'm going to tell all your, your viewers and listeners. I'm going to say, if you're going to get this book at all, do it before Thanksgiving so that <laughs> all of your arguments will be honed so that when the crazy aunt and the and the weird uncle all come over and they want to talk about the flat earth they want to you'll be equipped you'll have answers for everything for every comeback and ways to help them think through what it, as they're thinking about because a cosmic perspective is and always is transformative of whoever basks in, in its light. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I am truly honored to have had this conversation. It's truly also made my day. Well, I'm delighted, Sammy. Thanks for having me. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in LA. And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now 
Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.